This is Open to Hope Radio, featuring Dr. Gloria Horsley and her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley, coming to you on behalf of the Open to Hope Foundation, dedicated to those who are looking for hope after loss. Welcome to the Open to Hope Show in partnership with the Compassionate Friends. I'm your host, Dr. Heidi Horsley, and I'm here today with my co-host, Alan Peterson, the Executive Director for the Compassionate Friends. Hi, Alan. How are you, Heidi? What an honor to uh, do uh, these programs together. I love our organizations and how we work together. Uh, You know, Open to Hope, you guys provide more grief resources uh, than anybody in the world and the Compassionate Friends. Uh, we help more families grieving the death of a child, grandchild, or sibling than any organization in the world. And I love how we work together on television and radio and webinars. And uh, we get to tell another story today that's going to help people in their grief journey. So I'm always honored to host the show with you. Thanks for asking. Well, we love it, Alan. And, you know, um, a few months ago, you and Gloria won an award, a West Coast award for a cable show you did, which was phenomenal. So... We always love you coming in and hosting and and talking about these incredible stories like the one we're going to do today. So today we're going to talk with with somebody that's going to tell us about finding balance after loss. And his name is Dr. Neil Raisman. And we've had him on. We've done a webinar with him. We've done a cable show with him. And he's written a phenomenal book, which I'm going to tell you a little bit about. Um, Dr. Neil Raisman is an ex-college president, a former college president, I should say who lost his son Isaac to meningitis right here in New York City. Um, Neil struggled to reconcile and live with the loss, finally finding outlet for his grief and writing a book. His book is called Standing on One Foot, and he did it to express and explore his grief, leading to ways to find a new balance in life. Welcome to the show, Neil. Thank you, Heidi. And uh, Alan, I'm glad to be with you. Well, I'm sort of glad to be with you, yeah. considering. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. exactly. We're glad you found us, and we're sorry for the reason. And I want to just give a shout-out for your book, because I've read it, and I've read the whole thing, and that's saying a lot, because I get in a ton of books across my desk, and I usually just try to scan them, but I couldn't have put yours down, because you took us on a journey, and I felt like I was on the journey with you into the darkness, into the hell, and back into the light. And it was a phenomenal book. So for anybody out there listening that wants to know how to find hope and how to not only survive a loss but eventually thrive, please get the book, Standing on One Foot. And, Neil, can you can you tell us a little bit about Isaac and what he was like and how you ended up writing a book with his story? Okay, Isaac was uh, 26 years old, living in Manhattan on his own, Uh, had a great job, was doing very well, looked to be uh, soon promoted up uh, as well. And then one day he called us up in the morning, said that he had a bad headache and wasn't feeling well. Uh, His mother assumed that it was the flu. It was that time of year in September for the flu to start coming around, and she said, drink plenty of water and get some rest. He called her back around 4.15 in the afternoon and said, the headache hasn't gone away, it's even worse. Um, And and that was the last we ever heard from him. The meningitis killed him right then and there, 
Uh, it was uh, the next uh, day that I drove to his apartment because we hadn't heard from him. And we were very nervous and very scared about what was going on. And we assumed that he just had a very bad flu. And I was going to go there and take him home um, with, uh, with me so we could get him better. And instead, I found him on the floor uh, dead. So that was uh, the start of the whole unfortunate, uh, terrible journey. He was a, um, a great kid. Uh, he was uh, a very good friend of ours. Uh, called us every day, had no trouble saying I love you in front of other people on the phone. Uh, was well-liked by all of his uh, cohorts at work, and he was the kind of person who uh, everyone said he was my best friend. We were amazed at how many people said that after, he, um, after the funeral. That's amazing, and he was a really good-looking kid. And like yeah. you said, he was at the prime of his life. Everything just seemed to be coming together. He had a great apartment. He had a great job. He was living the New York City dream. And, you know, as you were driving, I mean, it's every parent's worst nightmare because, you know, you've got a kid that's just got the flu and you're driving there and you're not sure you can't get a hold of him. I felt like I was driving with you in that car that day going into his apartment. And, you know, how does one find hope at all after something like this happens? I mean, I know it's a journey out there. And how do you put your life back together and how do you learn how to stand on one foot? Well, for me, and uh, I can only talk for me and hope other people will uh, glean something from it that will help them, um, two things happened to me. One, I went into what I call administrative mode. I was a college president, and I was used to solving problems and used to dealing with problems. And what I would do was I would shut down my emotions, um, which was not a good thing to do but it's the way I handled it. Um, and I tried to be a, um, uh, a person that other people could lean on during the, uh, the rough times, little knowing how much it was taking out of me. Um, the way I found out how much it was taking out of me was I ended up writing uh, the book. Uh, one day I was on a train going up to uh, Albany. I had my computer with me, and I was just trying to figure out what to to write about. I wanted to write about something, and I just started writing the whole situation of how I found Isaac and, and um, how we started dealing with his, his death. And from there, I found the writing to be absolutely cathartic. I could write. I could let my emotions go completely. And as I did, I actually let other emotions uh, go in uh, from out of me into the book, um, I was dealing with a great deal of grief. I was dwelling in grief, and I didn't even know it uh, until I started writing the book. And it was just like dealing with a, a counselor, but the counselor was the book and the writing itself. Mm, I love that. Don't yeah. you know? You know, Neil, I, and that's something that, you know, is really important. First of all, but the uh, standing on one foot analogy is uh, it's, it's so true. I mean, it's what it feels like, uh, and I, I've never heard it put that way, so I think that's both clever and both so accurate. But you're touching on something that I think is hugely important for people. Uh, 
I'm a writer also, and um, and and writing is cathartic. And you know, we say, well, you know, just write or just journal. But there is a magic that can happen when we let ourselves go. And I tell people, you know, when you're writing early in grief, if, if you can get yourself to do it, it, you know, don't worry if the words are spelled right or if there's punctuation or if it makes sense really to anybody but yourself. But just getting, there's something about that heart, hand, and mind, getting them all working together that does allow you to touch emotions uh, that, that you, you can't get to otherwise. So I think it's really very powerful. Uh, so uh, how long did, did, did it take you to write the book? How much time did you spend investing uh, in that project? Well, uh, total time was about uh, nine months. To No, actually, I, I, the first part of it was written in nine months, and then I ended up writing a second part of it when it took me over a couple of years to finally write that. The first part was about um, the grief itself and uh, coming up with that analogy of standing on one foot. And by the way, what that means is that losing a child is like having a losing anybody, for that matter, but a child is what I'm talking about here, is like having your foot ripped off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Feel the pain, and it's never going to come back, and you've got to learn to how to balance when on the remaining foot. Um, the truth of the matter is you can't always maintain that balance. And there are times that you fall, and I fell many times. But um, it took, all in all, it took me about two and a half to three years to write the entire book because I had finished it once, and then I realized that I had left myself in grief, and I was starting to come out of it. And I had to write about coming out of the grief as well, because that was all part of the entire journey. So what would you say, because so many people um, who, who listen to our radio programs or webinars or whatever, many of them, they're desperate for answers. And, and what would you say to somebody who's listening to the program who has lost a, a child or a grandchild, somebody, uh, a sibling, somebody very close to them? What are some of the basic things you would recommend, uh, Neil, to help those people to begin moving forward or to uh, even to survive if they feel like they can't survive? What would you recommend that they do to help them in their grief? Well, the first thing I would recommend is to find someone or some group that would allow you to express your feelings and your thoughts. Um, The worst thing you can do is keep them bottled up inside you because then they will explode at some point. And when they do explode, it really is a bad situation. Talking about it, letting it out, writing about it. If you don't have anybody to talk to, use that book as someone to talk to. And after you write something, let it sit for a couple of days and come back and reread it and see if it rings you as rings back to you as the, the correct and the true feelings that you had. Um, it gives you a little bit more introspective uh, introspection that way. Uh, but you've, you've got to be able to talk about it. You've got to be able to let it out. I mean, what finally started ha- clicking with me was after a colleague uh, told me about Compassionate Friends. And we went to the meeting and we found a, an environment 
in which we could be ourselves and let it out. We didn't have to worry about someone getting upset uh, about us talking about our uh, our son who had died. Uh, we were among uh, people who had, unfortunately, common experience and could help guide us a bit. On that first night we went there, um, and it was in Suffolk County, New York, um, we were told that can get better, and it does get better. And it was hard to believe, and I can't show you exactly what happened, but um, one woman said, put her hand in front of her eyes and said, when it, when my son first died, everything just looked black. And then right. after a while, she then she turned her hand a little bit and let some light in. She said, some, some light started coming in. Then finally she just turned her two hands to the side of her head like blinders, and she said, now I can see fully ahead, but I never, ever lose sight of the loss of my child. And we realized that there is a future after um, um, the death of a child, but it's a long journey. So I would recommend joining Compassionate Friends, writing and rereading what you've written, and rewrite it to get it to where you believe it really ought to be as two ways to begin to work your way out of grief. I couldn't agree with you more. And I, uh, you know, one of the things that I was at a conference this past weekend in Seattle speaking and, you know, people ask the question and, and they probably ask it of you as well. People want a, a quick answer to, you know, how do you, how do you get through grief? And to me, the quick answer uh, is, is, Two things. One, educate yourself about the process of grief because it, it does affect you mentally, spiritually, emotionally, physically. Educate yourself about what you're going through to understand it and then support. And support is so important. And I think that's really, um, I mean, I think that's, that's great information. So, so what have you learned over the, the years? How, how uh, have you integrated Isaac? How does he stay in your life today? And how do you, uh, you know, how do you, how do you continue on? How do you find joy? How do you live uh, keeping Isaac uh, close to you? Well, uh, Isaac is always close to me. He is never far away. Um, he is part of our life. The analogy I came up with in the book was that it, Life is like a novel in which there are many characters, and the character each plays his or her part in the novel, and unfortunately, Isaac's part was over. But that does not mean that as a character he's written out of the novel. He's all wow. part of it, because that has to do with uh, how the book runs uh, from there. Um, there is no one way for everybody. Each person is an individual. And uh, what I found works for me is, as I said, talking about it um, and time, just a great deal of time. Um, we are now at a point where we can talk about Isaac without breaking out into tears. I had trouble breaking into tears anyhow, and I write about that in the book also. But... Um, we can talk about them, we can kid about them, we can laugh about it, um, and but that doesn't mean that every so often something's not going to knock you off balance. 
just the other day, Eileen was going through uh, a cookbook, and she turned a page, and there was one of Isaac's recipes. Oh, wow. uh, he called Ike's great um, hummus recipe. Uh-huh. Ike was his nickname. And that just threw us for a loop, you know, because everything came flooding back. Um, So I think part of it is realize that it is not a steady balance all the time, that there there is uh, times when you will have a good deal of happiness, and there are times when you will feel sad as well. But um, the journey is one that um, continues on, unfortunately, and uh, you find the best you can find out of it. I love what you're saying, Neil, because you're basically saying don't judge your journey. You're going to be knocked off balance. It doesn't, it doesn't, we don't grieve in nice, neat stages where every day gets a little bit better. Some moments are great and other moments can knock you down. And like you said, Ike's great hummus recipe knocked you off your feet because you were like, wow, this is something we didn't expect. And um, I can only imagine what it must have been like to see that recipe all of a sudden. Yeah, it it was um, both wonderful and terrible all at yep. once. And uh, life is filled with wonderful and terrible moments. So um, we that's one of the things that I learned. Uh, another thing I learned was that um, life is imperfect, and you got to deal with that fact. Unfortunately, um, the Reality is that life is going to give you some good moments and some terrible moments. Uh, Isaac's death was one of the most terrible moments that I could imagine. Um, I don't think I learned anything from it, that's for sure. But uh, I have learned more about myself uh, from the experience and from the writing and from the research that I did. Um, I can't agree with Alan more about uh, the need to do a little bit reading and study yourself about grief. Uh, I found out a lot of uh, interesting facts um, about the grief process itself, which helped prepare me uh, for the length of the journey and prepare me for some of the rough parts of the journey um, by reading other people's books and by reading uh, psychology articles about grief as well. So, Neil, where can people get your book, Standing on One Foot? Ah, you call, uh, this is a perfect day for us discussing that because I just got a donation um, so I can give away 50 more copies of the book. Wow. Uh, wow, that's terrific. Uh, I decided I wasn't going to publish it okay. as such because I didn't want to make, uh, the idea of making money on my son's death was just appalling. Um. So I've been giving the book away free to people who uh, know the, co- the, the code to get it for free, and that's easy. Uh, the address is www, all one word, standingononefoot.com. And when you get to the um, checkout, there is a code for a discount. And if you put TCF, the Compassionate Friends, TCF in there, uh, there is no charge for the book, and there's no charge for postage either. I've got the next 50 copies because I had a donation from someone who read the book and wanted to make sure that other people could read it as well. So uh, 
go there and get a copy of the book, and if it helps, I will be delighted. Well, Neil, I think that is such a fantastic thing you do, and I do remember now we did. I was on a, the webinar that you did, and you get you gave some books away there that we put on Facebook. I think it is absolutely an, a, such an honor to Isaac that not only that you wrote this story and that you put this wisdom that you gleaned on grief and loss, but that you're sharing it with people who need it. And uh, you are an inspiration. And uh, thank you for all that you are doing and continue to do in honor of your uh, son, Isaac, who just sounds like a terrific young man. And your analogy about the novel, I have never heard quite put that way. Uh, but that's true. You know, I, 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 my analogy is that I was put on this earth to be Ashley's dad for as long as I lived, not for as long as she lived. And I love your analogy with the novel. They are with us. They're going to be a part of us and a part of our story for as long as we live. But what an honor to, to talk with you today. And, and um, just thanks so much for being on the show. I, I really appreciate it. Heidi, it's, this is great stuff. It is. Thank you so much, Neil. And as, as Alan said, I love that idea that our loved ones are never written out of our novels. They will be in those novels forever, and their memories last an eternity. And I, I would say that their memories last far longer than our lives on this earth. They'll continue forever. So thank you for all the work that you're doing, and thank you so much for your generosity in giving these books away. Isaac is helping so many people through your story, Neil. So we are very fortunate to have you on the on the show today. And on behalf of the Open the Hope Foundation and the Compassionate Friends, thank you for listening. And please lean on our hope until you find your own. And God bless. You've been listening to Open to Hope Radio, hosted by Drs. Gloria and Heidi Horsley. Like today's edition, all of our past programs are available on demand at opentohope.com, along with helpful articles, videos, resources, and links to help get you through the toughest time of your life. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter and sign up for our monthly newsletter. Again, that's opentohope.com. Check it out today. Then be sure to stop by next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time when we'll be posting another edition of Open to Hope Radio. Remember, Others have been where you are. They made it through, and you can too, as long as you're open to hope.